Oh yeah. It's a new sound. It's a new vibe. It's a new show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. We could call it ABXL. You could pronounce it Apple Bytes XL if you want to, because we just say words however we want to now these days on the internet. Welcome to the show. I'm Brian Tong, your host for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. And this is our audio podcast, our new home for all the things that are going on around Apple. And it's going to be a weekly show. Now, if you don't know, I'm no longer with CNET. Like, I am independent. I'm doing this on my own. So, this is the first episode of the podcast. And I just want to throw it out there that I need you to keep this going. So, of course, guess what? I've set up a Patreon at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. And if you don't know what that is, it's a monthly service that you can sponsor the show starting as low as $1 a month. You can sponsor five, 10, 25. I haven't some, even have some crazy level. And as I reach certain goals, I can improve the show. I can bring on production help because it is gonna be a little different. It's gonna be a little bit of a different vibe without my boy, Stephen Beecham here. But I love this stuff just as much as you do. Tech is in my bones, and if over the past 10 years I've given you any value, I hope that to keep this going, you could return some of that value, and I just ask you humbly, I, I love doing this, and being independent is an exciting but scary journey, so I just want to throw that out there. I won't be hammering you guys over the head with it, but just patreon.com slash Tong. If we even get to a certain point, we won't even have to have, to have ads on this show anymore. And that, that would ideally be the goal. It's a show that's all for you. So thank you for listening to that. Let's get into what everyone wants to talk about, the latest news around Apple. And we know that Apple just held their education event over in Chicago where they didn't live stream it so no one could watch anything like that. But And for good reason, quite honestly. But they did announce the new sixth generation iPad, the new 9.7 inch iPad, the biggest revelation here is it will finally be compatible with the Apple Pencil. Again, they're trying to gear this around education, and we'll talk about that in a second. But some of the highlights right, that you have here, 9.7-inch screen. Uh, it will not be a 120 hertz refresh rate um, ProMotion screen. It'll have an A10 Fusion chip, but not an A10X like the iPad Pros do. And again, we have pencil support. Now, from an education standpoint, look, these these iPads, is this is really just a lower price iPad for the consumer that also has education pricing. So it starts at 329 at its entry-level configuration. Education can purchase the new 9.7-inch iPad for 299 There's also pencil support. And so what does that mean? Well, the Apple Pencil is normally... $99, but for education, it'll cost $89. There's also going to be AR support in this, so that's kind of a new feature as well. But we've seen AR support as far back as phones running the A9. This is just kind of their way to update this a little bit without it costing too much. Now, the thing about this, though, is educate. This, this was announced at an education event to make it seem like this iPad is for education. And we'll talk about some of the apps that they're releasing, but I really feel after watching that keynote that it was a consumer product that was presented as if it's for education. And we're gonna see 
how the education world reacts to this. Now, one of the catches here or interesting things about this is that it was at the time after it was released or announced, it was identified as the first Apple product to have iOS 11.3 officially running on it, but nothing else was at the moment. Then earlier today, which is Thursday of the day of this recording, Apple officially released iOS 11.3. So you can update your iPads, your iPhones to run iOS 11.3. It'll include things like the latest augmented reality AR kit 1.5. It allows it to see vertical surfaces like walls and doors in addition to the horizontal surfaces. We've talked about that in the past shows. Also the iPhone battery health feature, which is still in beta, but it will display information for the iPhone's maximum battery capacity, its peak performance capability, and it'll also tell you if your battery needs to be replaced. There's better iPad charging management. Of course, the biggest thing, come on guys and gals, emojis, new emojis with the lion, the bear, the dragon, and the skull. That's gonna be a part of iOS 11.3. And you have a few other things. Uh, there's a business chat feature that allows it to integrate into messages. That's in beta and it's only US. It's only for the US as well as their new kind of access to health records and lab results um, in the health app. That is still in beta, but for the US only. But in iOS 11.3, here's the, here's the thing though. Remember in WWDC, and I know I harp on this all the time, Apple showcased iMessages in the cloud to sync across all of your devices. And I keep on joking that some of you want that. And let's be honest, some of you do not want that depending on what you are messaging. But that's not part of iOS 11.3. In addition to that, AirPlay 2, that allows multi-room capabilities for playing music. It's not part of this iOS 11.3 update. Again, they announced these features in June of last year. And you would think that it would make it in time before iOS 12, but they're not here. And to me, come on, you know what that is. It's a bad apple. Like you can't tout major features and not deliver them within a year and just keep people hanging and waiting. And all of a sudden, yeah, they're gonna come in iOS 12. Most likely that's fine. But it, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, lay it down on Apple, but this has been that theme of doing too much, not focusing enough on what's important and just being spread too thin, quite honestly. So those are those are two key omissions that are still not in iOS 11. That's just the way it is. During this software update, they also released the first HomePod software update alongside of iOS 11.3. It is available now. Again, AirPlay 2 will not be available with this release. Uh, there haven't been any changes noticed, but from what it from what we know, this is kind of just like bug management, just kind of like to fix a little bugs and optimization with this new HomePod software update, but no major features are coming to the HomePod with this update as well. So iOS 11.3 available now, you guys and gals can get it, but how does that also kind of connect to what Apple did with this new iPad 9.7 inch sixth generation iPad. So if we kind of shift back to the software on that, they showcase a variety of different apps that could cater to the classroom. 
We have the Classroom app, which allows students to manage, I'm uh, sorry, allows teachers to manage students' iPads so they can see every screen while the students are using them. They can lock them into a lesson together so everyone is looking at the same thing. They also introduced a schoolwork app that allows teachers to distribute and collect homework directly through the iPads, also jump to maybe specific lessons in specific apps, and then also track the progress for students. iWorks gets Apple Pencil support. You still got to pay for the Apple Pencil if you want this, but the new version of iWorks with pages, um, Keynote, and Numbers, that is getting Apple Pencil support. And then the other big thing here is multiple shared profiles. That allows any student to just pick up an iPad and log into their credentials. They did have this in earlier versions of the software, but this is something that is still to this day, it's been at least a year or two that they've had this. It's still not on consumer iPads. We cannot have multiple users log into a single iPad at the home still. They're still preventing us from doing this. This has been available on other products outside of Apple's ecosystem. And that's ridiculous in my mind. Now, we have all these cool software tools. But what I find interesting is that, I look, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. My sister was a teacher and is now a principal. And if you know anyone that's a teacher, like from the outside, these apps look great. It looks like it makes the classroom somewhat easier to do. But then there's a reality that most teachers don't even have the time to dig into this, to use their time that's normally gearing up for lesson plans, honestly buying materials out of their pocket to prepare the classroom. This is all nice and dandy. And I thought what was interesting is that they used an example of Dunham School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so I instantly looked up because my hunch was that a school that was so tied to Apple and is totally bought in, and they were talking about how you know everyone uses them, was most likely a private school, right? And I looked it up. It, it was a private Christian school, and they have a selection process that you have to pass to get accepted to the school. So clearly, this is not your everyday public school that is outfitting their entire classrooms with iPads that don't have those resources. And then in addition to that, look, you want them to all use pencils. So you're really talking about $300 for the iPad, $89 for a pencil, and the fact that teachers are going to have to spend not just a day or two training on this, hours of their time to make this happen. And in the big picture, when you look at the landscape of what and the entire workload and workflow for a teacher, this is not going to be easy. In addition to that, it's not like schools have, you can, sure, you can get grants to get these iPads into schools and maybe it'll help Apple in the education space. But one of the reasons Apple has failed or has trailed now behind Chromebooks is guess what? It's their pricing and functionality. They, Chromebooks have keyboards. And I'm not saying you need a keyboard to excel in education, but bottom line, a Chromebook can do more than an iPad. And these education iPads don't come with keyboards either. It's just going to be an iPad and maybe a pencil. So that's already $400. Chromebooks are way cheaper than that. And 
if it's going to be, I'm really curious to see what type of inroads Apple is going to be making in education. I fell in love with Apple because when I was a student, that's all we used in, well, more like high school-ish and then junior high. Yeah, we did it as well. But you learn a system, you're used to it, you grow into it. And guess what's the computer that you end up buying when you're in college and out of college? Typically stay in that world. Well, Google Chromebooks are taking over, man. And Apple needs to get in here, but I don't, it's gonna, will remain, it'll be remain to see. It will see, it remains to be seen. See, sometimes I can't even talk. If this strategy really ends up working for Apple, and it also shows you that Apple really truly believes the iPad is the future of computing because they didn't release any education level cheap level entry level laptop there was no macbook air or anything like that and so apple's going all in on this ipad strategy we know they had a multi-billion dollar deal set with la unified schools that completely fell through when they tried to kind of insert themselves into public education they're going to try this again we're going to see how many schools jump on board but when i look at this knowing that on all three of my my parents and my sister were all educators at the public school level and not private, I don't see how many teachers can even take the time to, to say, hey, I'm going to create uh, or publish a book with graphics and video and make it look all nice and fancy to present to my students to keep them more engaged. Like To find that time is not easy. They're grading papers. They're preparing lesson plans for the next day. It's going to be really interesting to see. Apple has built an ecosystem for teachers, but I just don't know, and I don't feel like all of a sudden 50% of schools are going to be outfitted with iPads because of price and really the realistic, the looking at realistically what teachers need to do to commit to this platform. It's it can be a little daunting, but is it more engaging for students? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, we're going to take a little break and say this show is brought to you by well by no one right now but it could be brought to you by you the listener again like i talked earlier patreon.com slash brian tong that's how you can sponsor this show starting at just one dollar a month we're going to be doing a weekly show we'll have bonus episodes it's basically less than a quarter per show um to keep this train rolling and we offer different rewards and levels at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. So check it out. Let's just keep rolling through the stories of the week. The other thing from this keynote is what what other things did Apple offer in addition to just the iPad 9.7 inch? Well, guess what? Apple is now selling standalone space gray magic keyboards the Magic Mouse 2 and Magic Trackpad 2. Remember, these were those dark space gray accessories that you could only get with the Mac Pro. Like people were actually on eBay selling them, I think as a package for somewhere, like those three, the keyboard, the trackpad, and the mouse. They were selling them for something like around like $800 to $1,000 and they were actually selling. Like I jumped on eBay just because I'm like, okay, well, how many... What have they been selling for lately? And not just saying, oh, what are they, people are selling them for? Like, what did people actually buy them for? Well, as recent as what, March 15th, someone bought a space gray keyboard 
and Magic Mouse and Accessory Kit for $337. Back in February, $416. Somebody, this guy got schooled. In January 8th, a gentleman or lady bought the entire Space Gray Accessories for $1,080. That's a bad apple. That is a dump. That's a stupid apple. That dude is stupid. Anyways, you can now get them at the lovely price of $149 for the numeric keypad and space gray for the keyboard. The trackpad will be also $149, and the space gray Magic Mouse 2 will be $99. So, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have been any worse to hear that news for... <laughs> For that guy or gal. Also, Apple debuted their um, new iPhone and iPad cases, as well as launching their new Apple Watch bands that are really kind of themed in this spring color motif. You've got kind of like pastels, a little more intense pastels, but also kind of some bright oranges and yellows and blues that are kind of like, I don't know how to explain, just not jewel tone, but really that kind of bright, rich, Sesame Street-type color palette. Um, When I look at them, it's like, yeah, the yellow looks like Big Bird. The blue looks like a Cookie Monster blue. It's it's kind of that type of intensity. Now, what about, though, was not announced at the Apple event? I tweeted out that we didn't really expect much, and everything I tweeted out was exactly on the money. 9.7-inch iPad, lower cost, some new software updates, and possible Apple Pencil compatibility. That was really the keynote. It was an hour long. It really seemed extremely long for what they were doing. This could, they, I know they wanted to showcase, oh, look at us in education. Yay, we're so great. But I don't, I think most people that watched it after it was broadcast, you can download the uh, a podcast version of it to watch, or it's on the Apple events app on your Apple TV, or you can watch it through the website. Um, it's there, but. I'll just save you the time and say, don't watch it. Like it's, it's not worth watching. But some of the things that we thought, maybe, you know, maybe Apple might surprise us and drop something different on us. There were, there was no lower priced MacBook Air. That's been a rumor that's been floating around that Apple would kind of come out with one um, to serve the education market. But instead they went all in for the iPad. A lot of reports, there were actually several reports that were claiming that we, we would see or we might see the AirPower, Apple's charging mat, by the end of March. Um, it didn't make it on the Apple online store. It's nowhere to be seen yet. So that is still being pushed out. You know, I like I like to affectionately call it the maxi pad because that's what it looks like. Also, the second generation iPhone SE, that was rumored maybe we'd see something like that. But this is all stuff that's just basically queuing up for a monster WWDC. So we didn't see a second gen iPhone SE. We also didn't see a new color of the iPhone 10. There's been a lot of reports that Apple kind of needs a shot in the arm to help out the iPhone 10 with a kind of a mid-cycle color color option to give it a boost. Um, so neither a gold or product red iPhone has been in the mix. And then, uh, you know, we did see iOS 11.3 the day after. Some people thought we'd see it at the event, but uh, that is that is all good to go. So just a lot of things that are kind of hanging around, primed for WWDC. Now, speaking of WWDC, we are expecting iOS 12 there, but 
another point, ClassKit is kind of this framework that works with the schoolwork app that I told you about that allows teachers to assign homework and keep track of their progress through this app. Well, on Apple's website, they do say that the ClassKit framework is coming in iOS 11.4. So ultimately, yes, there will be an iOS 11.4. Maybe we'll see AirPlay 2 and maybe we'll see message syncing in the cloud in 11.4. I don't know. I really don't know, but again, you can't you can't show a feature like that that and it's just not come out for a year and maybe just get thrown into the next operating system, especially when 11.2 has been just so I I updated the latest 11.2.6 and I'm actually happy 11.3 is out because my phone started slowing down and literally just freezing on and just just kind of getting stuck for about a two to three seconds, sometimes even four or five seconds before I could use it again, just by something as simple as swiping through a folder of apps. That's just, nah, that's horrible. So we'll see what happens. This was the news that I honestly was amped up the most about this week. It is a rumor coming to us from KGI Securities and the man, Ming-Chi Kuo, which which he continues to still be pretty darn reliable with his uh, rumors and information leaks. He says that according to him, a new Apple Watch, the Series 4 that will arrive later this year, will come with an all-new design, a 15% larger display, and longer battery life with enhanced health monitoring. Now, we, we've heard a lot about how Apple is uh, you know, partnering with a lot of hospitals and doing tests uh, to diagnose things from like a regular heartbeat and whatnot, but... Look, I'm the biggest I am the biggest fan of the Apple Watch Series 3. People gave me a lot of crap for not being behind the Series 1 and not really be being behind the Series 2 and guess what? I didn't think they were good enough until Watch OS 4 came around and changed my mind. They still have things to work on like they need to give devel- developers access to the playback audio controls to be integrated directly into those apps uh because there's certain podcast apps where you actually have to get out of the app and go to the music player in the Apple Watch to actually control the volume level and and things of that nature. Like that's kind of crazy to me. They need to just give developers full access to the actual media player on the Apple Watch so I don't have to leave their app to do stuff like that. But other than that, WatchOS 4 has been amazing. They've added streaming radio over LTE. Uh, they've they fixed the whole Wi-Fi issue or not being able to get a good signal. I think the Apple Watch Series 3 um, is by far one of my favorite products that Apple has released besides the iPad Pro 12.9 inch. That's just for me. And so I'm always thinking like, oh, it would take a lot for me to upgrade to the Apple Watch Series 4. But if they're bringing a slightly larger screen that can bring maybe more real estate to the table, that can maybe bring us another widget or a few more on-screen features because I love how I can customize my Apple Watch screen for the stuff I really care about with um, all the complications. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm down. I'm down for an Apple Watch Series 4. And a lot of you bought the first one or maybe the second one and haven't upgraded. I know you're going to freaking love the Series 4. So this was a this was an announcement I was actually pretty excited about. Apple, series, Apple Watch Series 4 coming obviously by the end of this year. So we'll see what happens with that. I also alluded to the 
studies that Apple has been doing with uh, different like universities and uh, I think even with Stanford Hospital. But a new, a recent study, this is about a week ago, but this is kind of to add on how the Apple Watch is just continuously evolving and they're really trying to make it the center um, for health as one of those kind of tent poles for Apple. A study confirmed that the Apple Watch, according to uh, Mac Rumors, can detect abnormal heart rhythm with 97% accuracy. That's according to a study by the team at, card, at the Cardiogram app for the Apple Watch. Um, they worked in conjunction with researchers at the University of California, San Francisco. So they basically took more than 139 million heart rate and step count measurements collected from 9,750 users of this cardiogram app that enrolled in the study. The once basically they were able to read the heart data collected by wearables, they were able to detect between normal heart rhythm and atrial fibrillation with a 97% accuracy rate when testing UCSF patients with known heart issues. That's that's incredible. Again, this is just a study that they've done with the current there's there are no new uh kind of like equipment or special bands that they're wearing. This is just purely based on just the accuracy of the Apple Watch. And we know the Apple Watch won't replace a traditional EKG, but being able to alert people of their problem earlier than it might otherwise be detected is a uh, pretty pretty amazing. Now, Apple has also been working with researchers at Stanford on its own study to really see whether the heart rate sensor in the Apple Watch can be used to detect these abnormal heart rhythms and common heart conditions. Now, this is still an ongoing study, but Apple is, you know, they're putting all their bets in on this. And it is amazing to know that we have a device that's, what, around slightly less than $300, a little more, I guess, if you if you want to bump up to the LTE version that that is this is just the tip of the iceberg right we know that there's different wristbands um there's one uh, i think it's the cardia b not the cardi b but you know you know and also um different wrist bracelets that are trying you know be able to detect sugar level i that this is all insane and just something that apple's i think is just really really not the sexiest thing but just amazing stuff and also just with apple's place in the smartwatch market. This is a, a report from a while ago, just to let you know, talks about how significant Apple is. I mean, they literally have outsold all com competing smartwatches combined from last year. And I think the three is really where, like I said, once I saw the three and I used the three, used it to exercise, used it with LTE, could go out without my phone sometimes when I didn't want it, that was a game changer for me. And yeah, my cell phone bill is more, but it's actually useful for for me in the way that I live my life. And it's not going to be that way for everyone. These are always use case situations, but you got to love it. You just got to love it. Another story here, Apple is launch, has um, launched a revamped Apple ID website that will now let users download all their data. So when you're managing your Apple IDs, if you want to copy all the data that is stored by Apple, a report from Bloomberg says you will be able to do this, things like your contacts, your photos, 
music preferences, calendar information, and more. It, it's basically going to let you download all the information stored across Apple's apps and services. I think this is really cool just because you'll, you know, Apple has always been so about like your privacy. We hold all your stuff. No one else can get it, whether it has to do with, you know, what you say to the HomePod or what you do on your iPhone and how it has the secure ID authentication so that you can't do anything or someone else can't just basically hack it, although there's always ways to kind of get around that. But in in most cases, they're now allowing us to at least acquire this data that they're holding on us. And I do find that's interesting. Really, they're making this change, though, to comply with the European Union's new general data protection regulation it goes in effect on May 25th. So let's be honest, they didn't do this for themselves. They they did this to follow along with, <laughs> with what's going on uh, in other countries. Also, a little quick bit, just to let you know, if you're all on the HQ Trivia tip, which I am, HQ Trivia has updated their app for native full-screen iPad layout use. Are you excited about that? You want to see the quiz daddy, Scott Rogowski. Man, HQ Trivia is on fire. I don't know if you've been watching it lately, but it is now getting so big that they're doing quiz HQ Trivia Nights based on properties. Like they did one for Nike Air Max Day, and they just did one from Ready Player One, and that's just blowing up. It is just absolutely blowing up. So there you go, everyone. This is officially the first episode of the Apple Bits XL. We spell it B-I-T-Z, so you could kind of call it Bytes if you want to. But I'll keep on pumping this out every week. This is how I'm starting from the bottom to move back up. We'll, you know, with your support and help, we'll continue to grow this. I want to get more interviews involved. I do am looking to get production help, but I need your help to get that help. Um, and so I love Beach, but we're, we want to try and get more people on this show. If you want to, for now, there are no voicemails just yet, you can email me at applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's just apple spelled out, apple, B-I-T-Z-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. I'm working really hard to get the voicemail situation set up. It's going to take me a little time, but I didn't want to leave you with nothing. So many of you have been asking me, like, where's Apple Byte Extra Crunchy? What is going to happen to it? Well, now you know, and this is the new home. So again, help support this show at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. This is just the first episode. We're going to keep on building from here. We'll have guests. We'll have interviews. You know, I'd like to get some help to just spice this up a little bit, but, you know, you're here with me. You've been here from the start. This is a new start. It's a new vibe. It's going to feel a little different, but I'm committed to you to deliver the same information that you want every week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Be safe and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.